0: Go to www.worldofinknetwork.com or visit us on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Marcia Castro-Cook. We have a great show today. and uh, I just wanted to explain a little bit about last show I had. Uh, something did happen with when we were on the air where they allowed me only 15 minutes and then we restarted the show. So in case you heard it, it was just out of all these nine years, it's never happened to me before. But we re-taped it about 20 minutes later. So if it sounds a little disjointed, that's really what happened. And uh, it was with Lee Michaels, and she's been on before many times, and so thank God she understood. And it's never happened, so I don't know. Um, I'm looking at, right at my screen now, and it's two hours, so we should be fine. But uh, if you heard the one, I didn't want to, because we talked so much about so many different subjects afterwards, I didn't want to take it off because it was a really good show. So it's on, but it's, it doesn't have the usual beginning. But um, it has a, an hour. So, okay, that was from last week. Okay, so then let's see a few. We have some new shows coming up, and we're going to be having more children's shows. And um, I'll be talking with a lot of new children's authors and people that have never been on our show before. We used to do a lot of children's shows, but we haven't. And so I am going to do this because I think the messages out there need to be good ones for kids. And so I think if any of you are listening and you are children's authors, contact me because we're going to start up again with doing more children's shows because I think it's a time now where kids need to hear good positive messages. And uh, so, and we'll be continuing the shows all the way through the year, and it should be fun because we have a lot of new surprises, different people hosting, and so it should be good. And today, my guest host is Elizabeth Black. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. How I'm are you? Doing it's very been well. a few weeks. Yeah, it's been a while. Well. I don't know. The weeks go yeah, so I fast. It's been, it's been quite a while. I know. We have a great show. Um, Uh, Dana Cameron is on, and um, I know you want to introduce her. And do you want to say a little bit about yourself, so you know we can then we'll go on and then introduce Dana. Yeah, sure. Okay.
2: Okay. Um, I'm a. Okay, I'm Elizabeth Black, and I write erotic fiction, dark fiction, and horror, and some of my books are uh, Erotic Romance, the novel No Restraint, and uh, in horror it would be uh, My Short Story Infection appears in Teeming Terrors, Trailer Trash Zombies appears in Midnight Movie Creature Feature 2, and Fog Over Mons appears in Wicked Tales, The Journey for the New England Horror Writers. And I um, have a new book coming out in the winter and probably early next year called Happily Ever After, a collection of erotic fairy tales. So
1: that's pretty much where I stand right now as far as the uh, publishing world goes. And that's good. you got a lot coming. And you'll be doing some of the shows with yeah. me, so as always. Oh, yeah. So that's always fun. So we'll have just, I never know. You know, we add new shows all the time. So, okay. You want to introduce mm-hmm. Dana? I'm so sure. happy to have her okay. on. Yeah, me too.
2: Okay, uh, Dana Cameron's background in archaeology inspired her novels and short stories. Her Emma Fielding mystery novels have been made into TV movies on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Her crime fiction has won multiple Agatha, Anthony, and Macavity awards, and she was shortlisted for the Edgar Award. So there's there's a pretty basic quite intro. a bit. I don't want to go quite into too bit. much, cause I think we'll be talk about it over the hour. Yeah,
1: we'll we'll talk about everything.
2: Mm-hmm. Hi, Dana.
1: Hey, how are you doing, Marcia? Uh, we're happy to have you. Very happy. And you yeah, have some exciting happy. news. There's always some news. Exci- it looks like you have exciting news all the time. So <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's life's been
3: pretty busy. Every year I say, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna dial back a little bit and take it a little bit easier and every year things get a little bit more crazier. So I guess that, that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, it is a good thing. <laughs> Certainly when you're a writer, the busier you are, the better you because we don't we don't know how to do it any other way. We just keep well, going it. all I- of us
3: yeah it's it's like it unless you're working, you're really not quite happy with the world so <laughs>
1: right if we're not writing well, Elizabeth, do you want to talk about i know what you wanted to talk about, so why don't you you know I know that archaeology was one of the big things you wanted to talk about with um dana mm-hmm. right oh sure
2: yeah um well first I wanted to know what was your specialty in archaeology
3: um my specialty was historical archaeology, which means I studied um Cultures that used uh, written records, and so uh, what I ended up focusing on the most, uh, for the most part, was the um, colonial period in New England. So from early contact mm-hmm. with Native Americans through about 1760, and I spent a lot of time uh, researching about um, people you don't see too often in, in, the, in the historical record. You don't see a lot about women or children or people who are enslaved or servants or people who were, you know, disenfranchised in some other way. Um, and so I spent a lot of time looking at that, and it was also an excuse to study the Romans when I went to school in London for a year. So that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, how do
2: you find the uh, how do you find the information about the the people that are lesser known? How, how, how part do you feel about getting that? Yeah,
3: well, part of it is you start with you know the local history, and then you start to see if you can find um, documents like wills or diaries that are associated with a particular household. And sometimes you have to be uh, sort of uh, really kind of uh, clever about the way you pick through things and find references that people would just discount as being sort of day-to-day things and try to put them within the larger social context. For example, if someone talks about meeting Mrs. So-and-so for a tea party, you think, oh, great, tea party, that's nice. But then you start to think about the kind of porcelain they would have used or the kind of tea which would have been very Mm -hmm. expensive and imported, the manners that would have gone into it, and the fact that they would have been um, basically uh creating their culture. They would have been negotiating marriages and other kinds of uh, uh you know uh connections and that wasn't hugely important, especially to merchants in the um in the northeast. So it's you can you could say, Oh gosh, Tea Party doesn't mean anything much until you start to learn more about the social context of it. And sometimes you look out and get letters which are wonderful because then you you hear in the person's own words what they were um, what they were thinking and what they what they wanted out of life. Well,
2: wow. yeah, so I guess you would also look at birth records and death records if they had anything like that at the time.
3: Oh yeah, birth records, death records, oh, yeah. uh, marriage mm-hmm. records. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: Some uh, sometimes if there's a gravestone, you could get information there. Like what kind of carving did they have on it? Was it um, was there a particular Bible verse? You could find out what their um, religious inclinations were, and um, mm-hmm. so it's it's like looking at all the tiny little things. Archaeologists are always portrayed as, as digging up fabulous treasures. And right. sometimes it happens, <laughs> and usually what <laughs> we're looking at is, um, is the trash, It's stuff that people discarded three or 400 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff that doesn't, is, it's, it's all the private parts of their lives. I mean, what they had for dinner, what they ate it on. Um, it's, uh, it's looking at all the little things that put together a larger story. Yeah, so because, and it so, and the things that people look up, I suppose,
1: yeah. we all have to look it up, but you mm. actually are a part of this, which is so interesting for a writer. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's sort of, it's been in my blood,
3: I, I wanted to be a writer since I was a little kid, but then I had the impression that you had to get into fights and join, um, you know, uh, get into bar <laughs> fights and, and run off to war, like the whole, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hemingway sort of meme, and I said, well, I don't want to do that, I don't like adventures, and so I'll, I'll be an archaeologist because that involves study and travel and research and, you know, languages and, and history and things that I loved. And it, worked, it turned out to be a really good fit. So um, it wasn't until after I um, had been in the field for a number of years that um, a, a, an unpleasant incident on the coast of Maine drove me to write fiction about it as well. Wow. And uh, we were working on a project, uh, the same – it was a bit, 1607 and 1608, so it's the same time as Jamestown. Um, but no one knew about it. In fact, we didn't know about it. We had been, we'd been we've been in the field for many years. And we started to look into the fact that there was a, a short-lived colony in Maine, and we found evidence for it. But uh, what started me writing fiction was uh, when I was on the site with my boss, and we were surveying the site, making a map of it, and a man came onto the site with a metal detector. Now, you can't use a metal detector on uh, public property in Maine, uh, state property without a permit, and of course we had all the permits, and we were the only ones who were supposed to be there. But when he started digging, my boss spoke out and told him he couldn't do, and the guy pulled a
2: gun on us. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Wow.
3: I mean, this this is a that miracle. changes that changes things a little bit. Wow. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it really did, and. You know, I have friends who work in really dangerous parts of the world, and this was not something I'd ever expected. Again, remember, I was trying to avoid adventure. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Right. yeah. Well, he was, you know, he was cussing us out and threatening to shoot us and everything. And I'm thinking, well, oh, if I run, is he going to shoot? If I don't run, is he going to start shooting? So I just decided I'd try to memorize everything I could about him. And then, you know, if something happened, I was going to take off into the woods. But fortunately, he eventually left and we um, found the park ranger and then spoke to the sheriff, and uh, and I had to decide whether do I was going to go back him? or not. They did. You know, it was funny because a year later they caught him, and they caught him because he was applying for a permit to use a metal detector on state property. <laughs> so oh. he was trying to do it again this time without, you know, maybe without the gunplay. Whoa. um so i thought that was really funny i mean well that's you adventure like the...
2: you got your own
1: adventure you don't have
3: to yeah, worry about having really
2: adventure in spades <laughs> yeah Oof.
3: you know it was Oof. i was i never dug so fast as i did that summer because i wanted a nice hole to hide and hippie came back um but i was talking to a friend uh after that field season and telling her about the things that happened to me and my friends back back when i was still in the field and um you know the time that my friends got shot up because they were digging too close to someone's still in the Midwest, or oh. the time a cement mixer rolled off the highway in New Jersey onto the site where we had been digging. Mm. And she says, "This doesn't happen to people." And I said, "Oh, it happens to us a lot, I guess." And she yes. says, "It doesn't happen to normal people. You need to write this down, and then, boom, all those." That's what happened. happened when I was younger. Yeah, it's yes. like I would always was... loved mystery.
2: Yeah, because you know so what? I, I feel started like, writing, so short writing stories
3: or, or novels.
2: Did you start short stories or novels?
3: No, I started right off with novels. Um, I was used Ah. in my academic life to writing things that were 300 pages or so, so a novel seemed like the right idea for me. (laughs)
1: You you know, I think like when I started writing, I remember when I was looking, you know, we started with romance and everything. They said, oh, you have to find a good profession for a woman. Archaeologist was one that people would want because it's such an interesting field, that that was always one they suggested, maybe your character should be an archaeologist or something, so you took it to the next level. You are one, so that yeah, yeah you know that's pretty it,
3: exciting it funny to me When I started writing, I realized that one of the things I wanted to do was talk uh, to sort of talk about archaeology in the very most realistic of ways. I mean, a lot of times when you see archaeology in fiction or um you know in books or in movies or in television, it's always fantastic, harrowing adventures. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a romantic solid, solid you, gold it. goodies, and yeah. uh, I really wanted to talk about in exotic locations, and I wanted to talk about what archaeologists really do, and so I was able to do that and um, mix in some murder and mayhem, at the same time, yes.
1: and know about it though. Really, you know, I mean, you know, it's it's one thing, you know, because they say write what you know, and you know, sometimes people don't realize that. Just putting in some of the things that you know could change your whole story, rather than just trying to make up things. You know, um, when you know something, it just seems to come out when you're writing, and then you can add on to it because you actually know it. But you know, we're all looking when we're writing for different and you know, different things to make it exciting. But sometimes some of the things that we know in life can be exciting when we're
2: writing
1: if you write it correctly.
3: Exactly. I think um, what's funny is that when I was first um, um, trying to write this novel and get it published and everything, I went to um, uh, Middlebury, uh, the uh, Breadloaf Loaf uh, Writers Conference, and my advisor asked me, uh, my advisor, the person who was the head, head teacher who was giving me my critique, said, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm an archaeologist. She goes, oh, I couldn't tell from reading this. I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, how can that be? And he says, well, you don't have a lot of the details in here. And I realized what I was doing is I was leaving off a lot of the little, you know, nitty-gritty because yeah. I was an archaeologist. I knew what it was. I, all my friends were archaeologists, so I didn't need to put it in. And he yeah. says, no, you need to have everything. So I went back, and uh, that was actually, I think, one of the most fun things was, was but there showing was good, there people was behind There was really good criticism,
1: scene. though. That's really good because – Oh, um, Amazing. Yeah, because that's early on can help a lot because sometimes, you know, I think when writers are, you know, even when they're listening to the show, we never know, you know, if it's too much or too little, you know. And one of, you know, like one of my problems because what I did, I write screenplays. So when I write screenplays, it's a lot different than writing because you just go, oh, look over, you're you're at a restaurant. Restaurant, Mm -hmm. you're there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people really do like it. And that's, I think, really hard to, Understand how important that is, is that description, because it's, you know, like getting that advice from mm-hmm. someone that's reading your book, and they got to the part where they needed to know more means they liked it, but they just want to know more, and so that's good, I think, really good Oh, criticism. absolutely. You know, which yeah, can no, change so your No.
2: Like, well one thing I like about Past Malice is the the detail that you give to the archeolo- archaeological site and, and the digging and everything that's involved in it because I'm not familiar with it and mm. it's uh, completely different from you know what most people think of archaeology like Indiana Jones and King mm. Solomon's Mines it's, like, <laughs> right. you know, it's actually more interesting <laughs> right It's yeah. more interesting than you know finding some great big cache under a under a rock somewhere. I like I like yeah. the history. That's that's an interesting part of it. Well,
3: and you also well, get to see that there are are people who are just like us. It's 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 really um, it lets you know um, by uh, you know looking at at historical archaeology, looking at these remains, that there were people who you know, with a few differences in culture aside. Had the same um, things they needed in their lives as we do today, and I think it makes it a lot more personal. It makes it a lot more interesting. It sort of makes them more human, uh, as opposed to sort of people think of history as these sort of, you know, stodgy dates and and people in, in stiff paintings and things like that. And uh, I like to, I like the opportunity to see them as individuals when I'm able to.
1: Right, because I think people think of them in a different way, you know, like that. And oh, yeah. I remember, yeah. you know, because like I mentioned what hit my show with Lee Michaels, she writes a lot of historical. And before I met her, you know, I didn't know that much about historical. She's been on a few times and she's brought other people on with historical. And I think, you know, what amazed me is what one time I was listening to one of her tapes and I went like, oh my God, look at all the sex in here! I'm thinking like, oh, and I and I was shocked. And I said, what's
0: going on here?
1: You have, <laughs> you know, I was so surprised that it was so erotic. That it was, you know, because she's so historical. But she said, that's nothing. It's just part of it, you know, because they're just yeah, very yeah. much just a different time, but they're very much like us, you know. From the, it doesn't matter when that is. And you know, from then on, I really understood it more because you know, if you're not really used to reading historical you just think it's different like you just said you think it's very different than it really is they're people
3: oh yeah absolutely and you know we all got here some way so we know that they were having
1: sex um, (laughs) in i know that's right that's what she said that's what she said and that's true because you just don't think of it that way but if you look at any of the movies you know that they have from historical um there is a lot of sex because they didn't have, like, oh, they yeah. certainly don't have Netflix. <laughs> they don't have demand <laughs> where they can be watching TV. So they have, you know, <laughs> they had to have pastime, and that's
3: true. Yeah, they had to make their own fun. Yeah,
1: it's, um, <laughs> exactly. but it's at the same time, it's, um, it's, it's always
3: interesting, and of course, no, historians didn't like to talk about this traditionally because it was yeah. you know probably their ancestors or something they didn't want to be airing out the
0: the right. more
3: human parts of their experience but i think these days we are much more interested in in um in everything uh, about a culture and so uh, it's not quite as uh, as a mystery as it used to be
1: so when uh, you write now of, you write much more you're more detailed that helped you too probably become more detailed when you write oh, oh sure well some of it
3: was it was uh Writing more of the archaeological detail, right. and when I write um, hi- uh, historical, um, I have a series of short stories I set in 18th century Boston about a, a tavern keeper named Anna Hoyt who uh, has to solve problems. And she, because she doesn't have any uh, particular legal standing, the only thing she has on her side is that she outright owns the tavern which uh, she's you know, working in. Um, and uh, You know, her husband uh, is abusive and, you know, there's no police to help her, so she solves things as best she can. And oftentimes that's sort of uh, under the radar and, and, and with violence. Um, and so what I have to do when I'm writing a story with Anna or anything historical is, that, is, not, is to not put too much information in it, just enough to show that life was different not right. enough to sort of make it be a dissertation or something. Right. And that's the right. tricky part because some, you know, that's something I think a lot of people have to unlearn is not to put in all the research that they do because it's, it's like a, a seasoning. You just Exa- right, use right. They put the, in too the much. right one in the right place. Yeah.
2: yeah Well, how much of yourself did you put into your characters? Like I'm thinking mainly of Emma Fielding. I mean, mm-hmm. how mu- uh, what are some differences and some similarities between you and, and, and the characters?
3: Well, at the time, I was looking for a tenure-track job, and so I decided that Emma would already have one. And um, I was using a lot of my uh, experiences from the field in terms of dealing with the public or dealing with academic colleagues or dealing with students. Mm-hmm. I put that, a lot of that into it. Um, but also, the way that we're similar, we both want to know what's going on. We we both want to find out the mystery. We, we both want to... Um, to find all the pieces of the puzzle and put it together and, and come up with a story about it, I think I probably am a little bit more. Um, I'm a little bit more emotionally brave than she is. I'm willing to admit things about mm-hmm. myself faster yeah. and, and learn from them. I think she's more physically brave in that she will, at one point, and I think it was in, gosh, um, a fugitive truth, like okay, she saw who the murderer is. Time to time to take off and hide and find the police. And all of a sudden she starts running toward him, and I'm like, no, no, this is this part where we're smart, and we use our big brains, and we use the telephone, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and she tackled him, I'm like, my God, woman, what are you doing, so I'm like, okay, so I I just went along with it, because obviously that was her characterization speaking to me, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so I think that's, those are the main differences, Um, and um, I think that I am probably funnier than she is, and I think that she's probably a little bit more uptight than I am, but I'm pretty uptight
1: sometimes, so. There's a lot. There's a lot of similarities, but she is not me, and I am not her. So, right. I think a lot of people, right? They always think that one. You know. So maybe you want to talk a little bit about how incredibly great it is that Hallmark has your is making yeah. this into a movie. This is like really great news for people. It's amazing. We have a lot of people that are screenwriters out there and want their books to movies. So this is so interesting. So tell us what happened. Well, you know, it, to it be. really
3: was a fluke, because um, the books are out of print now. They're still available electronically, but they haven't um, been in in print in the bookstores for a while. And I got a note from my agent saying that someone was interested in uh, optioning them. I'm like, okay, that's cool, great. And yeah. looked them up, and, and it was Muse Entertainment, and I found out that they were legitimate, and they were a pretty big deal. And, um, and then, then they said, okay, uh, they worked it out, and uh, you know, I, I knew from my friend's experience that you, you can always get an option. It's, always, it's quite frequently possible to get an option, but whether yeah. it's actually made or not. That's the exactly. big thing. Exactly, um, yes. And so I think we announced the deal in uh, no, October, November. And then within January, I was told that the show was being greenlit, sight unseen. And then by June, it was on the air. So yeah, it happened yeah. wow. or incredibly is it, quickly, or that, gir- is it
2: normally that fast is it no, normally that fast no
3: no, 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 no. I, I didn't think so no this no. was uh it was i was really not believing the whole thing um for a while it took me it took a while to sink in and so my husband and i went out to visit the set in victoria a couple of years ago or two years ago it's been very it's been happening very quickly um not all that long ago and we went out to, for a visit and we pulled up to the first location and i realized that um it was the town hall of Machosan in british columbia um, on victoria and um they had american flags and the main state flag flying and i'm like wait a minute they don't do that in canada
1: <laughs> and i realized
3: that yeah okay this was for real this was my my tv show um yeah. a movie based on one of my books and it was really amazing um so it took a it took a lot for it to to really sink in that it was actually happening but it was
2: um it's it's
3: been something else entirely it's it's been amazing
2: yeah it's 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 surreal i mean i i did some uh, movie work i did lighting and uh, some makeup on uh, mm-hmm. uh die hard 12 die hard with a vengeance 12 monkeys and it's just it's just so odd to especially when you watch it later you know when you yes. see it on tv yes it's it's, it's a very strange feeling when you're seeing this. You know well, and a
1: little char- right right. It's certainly when you're gonna see your characters or things that you're thought of are on the screen mm-hmm. and you know, uh it's so hard to get a movie made but it's it's even hard to get options. The the weirdest part about Hollywood is when you have an option, even if the movie doesn't get made in the minds of people that produce, they go oh that 's really a good thing because it 's an optioned writer is up above just a writer, and it 's so weird mm-hmm. because they didn 't have the movie made, nothing because you 're right, a lot of people have options, but sure. yeah. they don 't get the movie made you know um, yeah. Paul Mark, uh, you know the mystery and the romance they have more movies than I think most companies I mean they really have a lot of movies out there. Uh, And they're watched more than once. Like I myself have watched many of them a lot of different times. And, you know, so I think that they have a good audience in -hmm. their Christmas movies. I mean, they have... You know, I mean, I'm still trying. I I really want to write a good Christmas movie. However, I don't celebrate Christmas, and I try to get in that Christmas spirit because I'm crying and whatever. But I can't seem to write that, you know. But I love their Christmas movies, and a lot of people that listen to this show, I know they love them. And so, and the mystery is so exciting because they constantly have new ones coming up, and that's a good thing. So you, I'm so oh, yeah. happy so thank- for you. I mean. The thing, that
2: I, the thing that I like about it is, with especially the, uh, the cozy mysteries, is that they usually take place in these sleepy little Midwestern or New England towns where nothing happens except a murder every other. I mean, it's like they, they're dropping like flies right and left with <laughs> yeah. all these little murders.
3: <laughs> yeah, we call it um, Cabot Cove syndrome. Uh, yeah, no one, yeah, no one wants to be. I'm sorry, Cabot Cove syndrome? It's yeah. when no one wants yeah. to move to Cabot Cove where, because Just, Jessica Fletcher will probably find you as a dead body uh, at some point. <laughs> and that was one of the things yeah. I was trying to figure out with Emma, too, was if I keep having her you know, uh, come across bodies when she's digging, no one's going to want to dig with her anymore. Um, <laughs> and so I had to sort of work around it uh, to find bodies in right. different places.
1: But you also have really two great leads in that with who's in that i mean you know and that matters a lot it does yeah courtney really Thorn people smith that are not just started out you have some very good leads yes no they, um, nice. they
3: really do work hard yeah courtney smith <laughs> is doing a great job as emma she's super nice i had a chance to meet her briefly um james tupper is playing uh agent connor and um he's not a character that i had in the book but um in the books, Emma is happily married. That was the one thing. She might have everything else going against her, but I wanted her to have a really great relationship. But yeah. I guess at Hallmark, you need to have the are they going to get together? Are they not going to get together? Tension. Yes, so, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We yeah. have a, a an attractive FBI agent who is just as attractive as And then they kiss at the end.
1: And sometimes they kiss at the end, and, and that's it. That's the only thing you see at the end is that when they're kissing, you don't see a lot of that, but that's their style, and people understand it. You know, and yeah, they wait for yeah. that. You know, they do. Yeah. They wait for the ending like that. They go, oh, good, when are they going to kiss already? And then they do. So it's probably easier that's their format, you know. I Because mean, I think well, when people write books, you know, they all think, you know, being an agent, I know they all think that their books can be movies, but not everyone can. And Hallmark makes that decision of what can be made. And they do a good job.
3: Yep, yep, they really do. It's um, what I uh, have liked seeing was that um, the, the the viewers, the fans of the show, will say, "Oh my God, there have been two movies so far. When are they going to finally kiss?" And I'm like, "Well, if any luck,
1: they won't <laughs> they won't kiss for a while because <laughs> I would like them to
3: make more movies." Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but it, you
1: know, it is it is amazing though how many viewers. I mean, it really is. You know, um, they have their own audience. Mm-hmm. It's not just people really that do. pick up. They have a strong, strong, strong audience. I mean, they do. Yes, yeah. And, uh, uh, they, and they usually, I, you know, I would almost say when they make a movie, they're pretty sure of what they've got going. They, it's not like, well, will it succeed? They all, you know, you already know that they've got people going to be watching this, you know, because they've yeah, got they, the audience.
3: They do. They they got they have the audience. They they know what um they know the audience, and um it's just keeping up because they always want more and more
0: uh, you know and they do. more
3: mysteries, more more Christmas, and and they they are always um, on the ball getting getting um uh, creating the content for them.
1: Yeah, they they really are. I mean, they have a lot. I mean, you know, and then they play them all over and over again, and people keep watching them. So I think that they know <laughs> what they're doing. Netflix. I mean, they do. You know, It's not like other networks. It's not even like Netflix. Because Netflix, you know, um, some people, they just don't, you know, you pick up an audience, you you lose somebody. Because on Netflix, you know, some people say, oh, I don't like this. You know, but on when they turn into Hallmark Station, they know what they're going to get, and they're watching it. They're not going to turn right. it off. You know, that's right. just how it is. You know, and certainly when you've got a good cast, you know, that really helps. And the, cons- and the- they're consistent it's like you know every
2: sunday there is a cozy mystery and you don't want to miss it and and it's like if you missed it then the next week they show it at seven o'clock so you can catch the nine o'clock new one right exactly uh, they just finished a whole bunch of murder she baked i I was always watching a bunch of those
1: yeah you know and and Mm -hmm. uh, you know so i think that you know i think that's why i always tell people that you know when you're writing a book you know, I tell people that are screenwriters actually because I am a screenwriter and it's very difficult to get that screenplay to people because mm-hmm. they always don't like something in the screenplay or they go, this isn't right, or they don't want this character. But this way, if they like the concept of the book, they do their own thing. And so I tell people if they have a screenplay and they can, poss- and they can write a book, not everybody can, if they could, it's better than putting it in your drawer as a screenplay because then mm-hmm. somebody might like the book and then make it into a screenplay and that's really right. the way it goes now you know and it's um so exciting for people to you know there's one thing you know I probably should say this I forgot to say this I usually do it's about me <laughs> but you know I you know I because we talk about books a lot in screenplays I I had myself I there was a contest called Academy, a book a Academy Award, Book Academy Awards And I went like, oh, what does that mean? You know, so I looked it up And seemed mm-hmm. okay And they don't charge for the contest So I went, okay, fine, I'll just, you know Because I'm not big on contests. Although I think a lot of people like contests, but I have not really signed myself up too much. So I put myself in it, and I'm thinking, well, sounds like a good idea. So then I completely forgot about it because I sign up for, like, everything. You know, I sign up for this webinar, that (laughs) webinar, and this, you know, site. So then all of a sudden I get this message that, you know, I think you should be tuning in tonight. We're going to announce some of the the finalists for the contest. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I just... It was after dinner, and I just finished the dishes. I just sat down. i went like, oh, fine. I'll just <laughs> put it on. And so they made the most incredible deal about this that I've ever seen on Facebook. There were hundreds of people in there. And so I'm thinking, oh, fine. I'll just keep listening, you know. And then I, then so. They got to the romance category, and they went. They called my name as a finalist, and my husband's sitting there. I'm going like, oh, my God, I'm a finalist in this, you know, <laughs> and he's like looking at me, and then I proceeded to stay on. I mean, they picked ten and everything, and I thought, this is a really good idea, though, because they made a lot of buzz, and the fact is that books... Really are what they use in a lot of the movies so I think this might be one of the first times they did this and I think this is a great idea for people because I think books don't a lot of times people don't realize you know what happens to the screenplays, they don't go anywhere, but books do, so I think that they started something pretty good, and they had such buzz, I don't know, you know, it was really funny, then I went back at my emails, and I saw my email, and it says like, oh, you're one of the, I didn't even know I was one, you know, I guess I skipped that email, but if I, it was such an interesting thing, and See, that's the thing. Once people make a buzz of something, it becomes bigger than it is. So it's so exciting Mm -hmm. for people. And I think that people don't get that excited. Like, you know, like when you have a movie made, I don't think people understand how hard that is. That's why, you know, that you got this out as a movie is so exciting because it doesn't just happen. It really doesn't. It's hard Mm -hmm. to get a movie made. Yeah, it's uh it's it's
3: been um kind of mind boggling. Um and it's like you said, I just assumed that I was one of those people who would never would never have um a movie made of my work and you know it's a yeah. long shot. Um, but then when it happens, it's, it's, uh, it's really fascinating.
1: It's a really fascinating process. It is exciting. <laughs> it's why, you know, and I think that, you know, so I always give, you know, people, when I've done nine years of shows, and I keep saying just keep writing and keep doing these things because I don't think people understand how long this takes, how hard this is, and what needs to be, you just can't stop. If you really are a writer, just write. Right. You know, Correct. don't stop. You know, and you never know what could happen. So, like you now, you're going to have a movie made, and you probably, like you said, never thought about this.
3: I, I really never had. I mean, I I caught myself saying, well, I can't, I can't go. Um, I had to reschedule uh, a haircut or something, and, I, and and they said, oh, what, what's, what's up? Is something wrong? I'm like, no, no, I'm going out to visit the movie set, and it sounded so pretentious that I, I kind of I had to catch myself. <laughs> I'm like, but. Okay, but the, no, yeah, but this it's the, is the real thing. No. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah, I guess it's less pretentious <laughs> if it's the truth. Yeah. But it was it was yeah, one of those things like you, you never d- expect to hear yourself saying that.
1: No, you don't. So. You know. And then all of a sudden, like when you, certainly, like in this thing for me, I think people that have been on my shows, people that have been on my websites, and all of a sudden they're making such a buzz. Everybody's that I haven't seen in years are going, oh, congratulations thinking, like, I'm just the finalist, but I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, I guess it means more than I thought this did, you know. Because the book is, you know, it's been out since January, but they're like, oh, really? You know, and that's the truth. See, I so you never know. You have to stay in the game.
3: Yeah, that that's it. There's a lot to be said for longevity and stick-to-itiveness and, yeah. And, uh, and
1: it's hard to do that. Sure. Oh, gosh, well, yeah, Yeah. So how do you market? How do you... Uh, how do you you know cuz it's really that's a hard thing to do how how do you market what do you do for yourself uh, well it depends
3: i mean i i try to maintain a um a, a a you know a presence on the internet like facebook and and uh twitter and i i used to do a blog but it just it's become so hard just to think of something you know hey here's a day in my life cuz my life is pretty pretty dull <laughs> uh, you know apart from these one or two incidents um but <laughs> Um, but also, I I used to blog to a, a blogging group, um, Nafem no Fatal. and um, but these days a lot of it has to do with um, going to um, conventions and networking with folks there and getting on panels when possible. And oh,
2: that's, uh, that's how I met. You. That's how I met you in the first place. I met you at ECON. Yeah. And then came yeah, up and asked yeah, you if you'd like to do a show. The, the networking, yeah, yeah, I, I understand fully, but that's about. <laughs> Yeah, no,
3: I I love Micon. It's it's again, it's another uh, experience. I didn't think, um, I didn't think that the horror and speculative fiction world would be something I played a, a role in because I thought you know traditional mysteries. But after I got done with the sixth um, Emma novel, um, I was trying to figure out what to do next, and Charlene Harris and Tony Kellner, uh, who did a mm-hmm. terrific uh, collection of anthologies. Uh, based on werewolves, vampires, zombies. Um, and they said, would you want to write us a, a werewolf story? I'm like, oh, yeah, gosh, yes, thanks. And <laughs> then I was so excited. And then I ran to my, my office library to see what books I had on werewolves, and I realized I don't have any reference books on,
2: on werewolves.
3: Uh, I realized <laughs> that my life as an academic had been short in that respect. And, uh, and then I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? There's not really a, a canon to go to. There's not like with vampires, is that I could look at movies, but, you know, whose do I use? And I'm like, it took me a good solid 15 minutes to say, wait a minute, this is fiction. I could just make yeah. this up. And, right. and so I came <laughs> up with <to laughs> born, right. and I decided that they would be like, secret superheroes who were always on the scene of a crime, not because they were the ones who had committed it, but because they were trying to track down the evildoers who had. Um, I made uh, vampires and werewolves. Related part of the same families, and that's sort of where I got the idea that they were always at each other's throats. It's like well, clearly they're related to each other um well, and so I had a lot of fun a lot of fun with that um and that that led to three novels with Zoe Miller, my archaeologist, who doesn't know that she's a werewolf.
1: Oh, that's an interesting thing
2: <laughs>
1: you know, how does you know she find out she's a werewolf
2: <laughs> I'm sorry,
1: how does she right. find
2: out she's a werewolf
3: well. It's she. She starts realizing that when she has these blackout periods and flashes of of anger, she starts to realize that there's something going on with her body, and, and she's been she hasn't been raised among the Fangborn. So, um, and she and her mother are constantly on the move for reasons. Um, and so later on, mm-hmm. when she runs into um, a couple of uh, members of the Fangborn family, they explain what's going on. And it was th- those books were a lot of fun because I got to incorporate a lot of my travels uh, into mm-hmm. them. And so archaeologists um, – so Zoe, as an archaeologist, looks at all these artifacts from all over the world trying to find out the origins of the Fangborn and and and, and while, you know, fighting off all sorts of
1: uh, evildoers along the way. But it's you were more of a natural thing. than you thought. You were more of a natural <laughs> than you thought this could be. Yeah,
2: I, I
3: I
1: guess no. I had
2: the whole thing about the the vampires and the werewolves being at war with each other. I saw that in what we do in the shadows when we had the vampires and the the werewolves were locking horns as usual. So one of the vampires picked up a stick and threw it and yelled, Fetch. And then one of the werewolves
1: started to go after it and then stopped themselves.
2: (laughs) They were just insulting each other right and left.
1: Very good. I mean, like, since you know, since I've met Elizabeth, she introduced me to all these horror writers, and they were really, we haven't had one of those, like, shows we should, Elizabeth, because it was so interesting, you know, because I think people, they just go, oh, I don't want to read horror, I don't know about horror, but it really isn't what people think sometimes, you know. Um, oh, not at all, and this, yeah. It's a deep, dark thriller fiction. You know, they're just whatever they are, but it's not what people think mm-hmm. because even in Hollywood years ago, they used to go like, oh, we don't want horror or period pieces, which now changed. You know what I mean? But right, at that right. time, you, they mm-hmm. just said, oh, no, we don't want that because they just didn't get it. You know, but since I've met Elizabeth, we have had a lot of shows with people on, <laughs> and horror's, it's so, horror's so interesting. You know, horror is having a resurgence right now
2: thanks to Stranger yeah. Things and Get Out. You know, the two, yeah, yeah, two then, really yeah, responsible yeah. for it. And the books. And the they're books both are incredible.
3: Yeah, I am I'm just been so delighted in that because you're right. I think it's not what people think. In fact right. for me, uh, I see a lot of the same roots in horror as I do in noir fiction, where all you have are bad mm-hmm. choices. And yeah, yeah. uh and it's it's coming from the same tradition of sensational literature in the nineteenth century, so um, that's why I, what I like to bring to it as well, because that way I get to have sort of the atmosphere that I love from crime fiction, and with some of the sometimes supernatural elements and sometimes uh, just uh, unnerving elements. But you're right about the uh, um, horror writers; they are the nicest,
0: smartest, oh my God, yes. people mm-hmm. you'll ever meet. I know.
3: So I know. And you think, and then you read what they write, and it's like, oh my God! I, I was I hanging out with these people, and they're they're wrong. They're, this
1: is just bad
3: but it's amazing cuz they're they're really really um yeah and, and
1: i you know so and i didn't know what to expect and we had uh, like uh, several shows like that and then i loved those shows because i really liked the authors that were on you yep. know they were so nice and it was such a fun show you know and even you know like i have learned over the 9 years i have met so many different people that you know, I think that's why I love doing the shows, because I've met horror writers, and I met erotic fiction writers, and I didn't really, you know, because I think people don't give it a chance, you know, and they just go, mm-hmm. oh, it's erotic or whatever, and I'm thinking like, no, erotic could be any love scene, or, you know, in the horror films, yeah. it could be everybody dark. Thinks, oh, everybody thinks, Everybody thinks. oh, it's erotic, it's, it must be porn, and
2: no, yeah, it's mm-hmm. not.
1: It's not. It has a lot it's more than,
2: different. than just straight right. sex.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and so, you know, and the same, you know, with the horror. It's just like it's not that way because a deep, dark thriller can be also like a horror. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. read those all the time and they don't realize it. I think one of the problems is because we have Amazon who you put them in a the category and then you're dead meat. That's what happens
3: mm-hmm. because they get yeah. in the wrong
1: category. Um, you know, the whole notion of genre is
3: really problematic. It's been a problem yes. since, gosh, since Samuel Richardson started saying, "No, my novels aren't trashy French novels. They're educational and they're they're good for you." And that's, gosh, way back when um, with Clarissa in the eighteenth century. So, but yeah, um, genre uh, is is great for marketing, and sometimes it's equally. Equally bad for to help yeah. you with marketing, I think.
1: Yes, and um, I, I think maybe for people, but for the for the readers, it's so difficult to get audiences to like your book and find a book that they like because they don't. It's not laid out easy for readers. Right. They have right. the problem. Yeah. Well, that's why you love a, a bookstore where they have
3: you know a, a you know staff who know who you are. And, that would be good. And know what your tastes <laughs> that's are. It's really
1: nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or you', you know, have a lot of library. bookstores where you are?
3: do you have bookstores where you live? we do we do I'm just north of Boston, so we have fewer well, than we used yeah. to but okay. um yeah. but um it's one of the great things about living near an academic well I think it was you know academic communities Cambridge and boston so um so it's it's uh you know the landscape has changed. My husband and I used to go out um every before we started dating, even we were um when we were in high school, we would go. Book shopping the day after Christmas because we had our, our gift cards and everything, or gifts, take, yeah. like they were in the back in the day, um, and we could just spend the whole day crawling from bookstore to bookstore. And these yeah. days, it's a heck of a lot shorter
2: because um, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, but well, um, I yeah, live in a, oh, well, I live in a small town in Massachusetts, and our one bookstore closed down. Sadly, mm-hmm. it's been here for you know decades, and uh, but. There, you know, the t- next town over has several bookstores, and the town over from that has like, Andy's Bookstop is all over the place. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a used bookstore that I like to go to, where you know, where I buy a lot of my books. So, you know, the book the bookstores are some of them are closing, but then the, there are others that will open up right around the corner. So there's you know there's there's no shortage of bookstores. Even Which, though yeah, I'm uh, in Chicago, uh, the, uh, I'm in Chicago are in are the suburbs. A little, yeah.
1: The suburbs don't mm-hmm. have them. They, they have Barnes and & Noble, and, you know, they, they have bookstores like that, but then they have smaller bookstores, and unfortunately there's like a little small bookstore. people have gone in for my children's books, and so they go mm-hmm. like, well, when was it made, whatever. They go, I don't know the, the person, whoever it is, asks. And they go, oh, no, it's not a new book. So I'm thinking like that's why I'm doing these shows for children now because a new book. It's not like the book is a hundred years old. You know, the book could be right. five years old, and the people in the mm-hmm. bookstore go, like, "Oh, well, it's not a new book." And I'm thinking like, well, so what? Winnie the Pooh, you know, and that's the mentality sometimes of the people in the bookstores. They're not realizing that an old book can still be good.
2: Oh yeah, So people oh, like to read back. People like they find a, they find an author that they like, and then they want
1: to read the backlist. Yeah. And they can't get them
2: sometimes. They can't get it unless you go to Amazon.
1: Yeah. And Amazon is having issues now. I think I I was listening to a webinar. I didn't finish it because I listen to a lot of webinars. And I think they're having another one with the KDP. It's so confusing out there for authors. No matter, I don't care how many years you're doing this. I think that nobody. There's no exact answer. You just have to go for it. But unfortunate. But if you are at a book signing, luckily enough, then people will buy your books. But it's not. They don't even have those as much as they used to have. You know um, it. The staffs at Barnes & Noble, you know, there's not a huge staff anymore, and they don't mm-hmm. want to be bothered with book signings, you know. And so I think this is a problem for authors, you know, and I think that the bookstores mm-hmm. haven't helped themselves. Because well, if the you're willing to come for like free, book
2: signings, I've noticed
1: that. If, if, if a person's willing to come for free or in a library, why would you say no to them? I mean, what is wrong with, you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. If you offer, like, your your services, you'll come and read children's books to them. They go, oh, well, we don't know. And I'm thinking, like, you're not paying me. I'm happy to do this. But they don't seem to want to do those programs like they did before. So I think, I hope it changes. I think you there's know. a lot
3: more emphasis on on podcasts, on videos, yeah, um, putting right. up a YouTube uh, show or something like that. Yep. Um, yeah. It's definitely more online um, than it used to be, which, you know, on the one hand, it's uh, you're reaching people who are outside you your immediate area. Right. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, it's you know, you don't get to necessarily uh,
1: hang out and chat with folks, which is a lot of the fun of doing an event. Um, and I think authors so, like that. I think every one of us oh, yeah. likes to hear what yeah. people oh, say. Oh yeah, it's yeah. really important, you know. And well, you know what? We, people like to meet authors. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think definitely. any reader
3: does. I'm a reader. I want to meet. I'm. I want to meet the folks who've done. Who've done written amazing books. And yeah. I think. Um, I think getting to learn something from getting to see other authors too. You're always always learning when you're a writer. Um, you never stop learning how to write. And I think that that's as big an opportunity for us as it is for for
1: readers. Yeah, yeah. I say that a lot, right, because I think, you know, in the nine years I've done shows, I take notes and I listen, and I think, you know, you never know everything. So somebody might come on and they say they do this, and I go, oh, that sounds like a good idea, you know. And I think that you have to keep your mind open if you're an author. Then you can stay in the game if you are open. I think you're okay, but if you think that everything you do is perfect and you can't learn, that's a problem. Yeah, I think that's
3: one of the reasons I really um I really like working with a good editor too, because I think every it was like I was I was talking about before when I wasn't having enough detail in because I figured well it was just what what I do every day. It just didn't occur right, to me to put it in. But if you have a good editor, if you have a good critique group, um yeah. it's it's you're always going to be better for it. I um, I always am grateful when I'm working with an editor who is willing to negotiate. Um, yes, okay, Like, well, <laughs> right. you know, it, this isn't this isn't working with me. This l- l- isn't working for me. Um, could you do this? I'm like, well, I don't, I can't really do that. But how about if I do this other thing? And they go, yeah, great. And they and and that makes the book better.
1: Yeah, I, I agree um, with you on that. You know, there's a new movie out. It's called The Wife. People should see this movie. It's mm-hmm. so it was it's with Glenn Close. It's really oh, I don't know go. good, mm-hmm. and every writer will enjoy this. There's not a <laughs> definitely enjoy this because cool. it was a really good movie, and it had a lot to do with that. You know, with writing and the characters and who does what in the book. It's very interesting. You know, you're right. You need because like my editor sometimes he'll like he'll come back and say like what about this this and this. I go well, what do you mean what about this. And this. He goes, No, he goes you may like you said before, you know it but it's the person reading the book doesn't know it at all. Right. You know, you seem to skip exactly. stuff like that. Like you know, well like what time frame is this or what happened then or you know, where were they and you know and stuff that naturally as writers you go, Well what do you mean? <laughs> you didn't understand this but then well, well, you know that they're you? right because you go, Right, you know or they or, or put a different scene in. So I think you're right about that because that matters a lot. Well,
2: so when yeah, you're writing a novel them.
1: or even a short story,
2: when you get you get so close to it that you yeah. can't see what an editor can see because you need a exactly. fresh set of eyes. And oh, I mean, yeah. even if you're self-publishing, I highly recommend that all authors hire an editor because oh, yeah. Yeah. they yeah. will catch things that you'll, you're you're going to miss because you're too close right. to the work. Right, and that's really true because oh, you on. do.
3: You miss it I'd really agree with that. It's um it's it's just as you said it it's uh it getting that getting that fresh pair of eyes on it that can mm-hmm. tell you when you're doing it right can tell you when you're doing it wrong and right. you know remind you that like there is actually something there after all the toing and froing.
1: Yeah. You know and 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 I think you know like well, then when you read the book when you know after the editor you got it all done you go oh yeah this works or even like I know one of my scenes in one in um I think it was no, oh, it's never too late. The last book that I wrote for Love, and he said to me, he goes, you know, he goes, maybe you should put this scene and what about a scene like this? And I went, I don't, I don't know. And then it was, he was right, you know. So I know what mm-hmm. you're saying because it's true. Because yeah. then when you read it, you go, yeah, this works, you know. Because sometimes we don't see yep. that, like Elizabeth said too. You just don't see it, you know. You can't, you can't. I mean, that's just, you know. And people, you know, I've heard of people that they go like, oh, I don't want to be changing my words. Well you know, sometimes your words need to be changed. And sometimes, yeah, exactly. you know, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, like I, I've had, you know, when I was an agent, people would go like, you know, I want this to be exactly the way it is, and that's it. I go, well, then you can forget it, because that's not true. When you're writing a screenplay, they may like the character, they may not, they may take a, out a character or add one, like, you know, or add a different profession to them, or whatever makes it better. A lot of times people don't think that's true, and if they're that closed, they can't get anywhere. You can't get anywhere by thinking everything you do is perfect. It will never work.
2: Right. You have no, exactly. to be able
1: to compromise, you know, on, on certain things. And a lot of people say, oh, I'll lose my voice. That's not true. Your voice gets better if you have it done right.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it's Because like, it's still your point of view. It's still your situation. It's still your character's. Yes. Right, um, and even if the language gets cleaned up, it's only going to be you plus. It's going to be you better,
1: you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I think that I agree on that. That's a good thing. You end, up, you know, you end so, up with a tighter, better book. Yes, yeah, I I really think so. But you have to really keep your mind open to that. So Dana, what would you you know? Well, the show's almost over, but what would you say to people you know to keep? Because I know we have a lot of people that are writing, and just some of them want to get better. What would you say to them? Uh, to
3: be always writing. Um, even when I was working at archaeology, I would steal moments at lunchtime or before I went into work and, and, and write. And the other thing, besides always um, always write, always be trying to think of something new to write, is to always find um, harder and better criticism. Because if it's if you show it to you know a friend and they say, Oh, it's great, I love it, it doesn't tell you anything. But if you tell right. someone, if they look at it yeah. and say well, I, I like it, but I don't understand this. That that, that wasn't clear yeah. to me. Or this was working, but this wasn't working. And here's why. What I think would make it better. Someone who's going to be constructive about it is a you know a real gift. Yeah, um, and I, that was basically how I got all. I, I got to the things I did. I went from a writing class to a writing group, and then I went to the writing conference, and that's where I found my first agent, and I got the, that great criticism, that, you know, from um, my instructor at the beginning of it and it was it's always getting someone who's going to be um who's going to be fair and constructive and not necessarily brutal or um, or or too um or or too dismissive and you know, like oh it's great don't worry about it you know yes i I don't give my books
1: outright i don't i don't let my my friends they read the book when it's done i don't do that i my editor reads it because i you know i mentioned this i i talk about this all the time i do not give my book to a lot of people to read because i you're going to get different opinions and i this is not a good thing a review is that's a whole different story you know but when you're giving Mm -hmm. your book before it's done to other people right you're going to say oh this is good and Maybe it's really you know they don't want to hurt your feelings you, you you can get your feelings hurt when you're writing because we all know what rejection is, so oh, I yeah. think that you have to keep in mind who you're giving it to that's a really good advice because you know, your friends are, they, you know it's it's good, you know that's not going to help me. It's good you exactly. know it's when you don't yeah. know people that read it that say it's good, you go, "Oh, this is good, you know," and then you're happy you know because yeah, they don't it's know you. you trust. Yeah, and, and when you get a review, if it's good, you know, and if it's not good, you know, you can't let that be the end of your writing. You just have to keep going. Exactly. You know, everybody's gotten bad reviews or reviews that you go, well, mm-hmm. what do they mean? And then you just go, oh, I'd forget it, you know. And I think that's the best thing. Just write the best you can.
2: Yeah. You know, and
1: write every day is right. That's a good, you know, I'm trying to do this again, write all the time now because, you know, I do the shows and I'm always, you know, marketing, whatever, but you really need to write all the time because you have, certainly if you're writing a book, you can't go back to it a month later. You don't feel the same way you did that last month. You feel different. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't turn out the same. Yeah. No, it won't turn out the same. Um, sometimes leaving
3: something and going back to it can be
1: yes, that, really yeah. constructive to get the,
3: a breather. But um, at the same time, if you have the opportunity to write and you have something still left in your head that you haven't got down into the paper or into the computer yet, that's really a good idea to do it. Um, so, yeah, you write Do
1: you write longhand?
3: No, I usually work at my computer. But when I'm trying to figure something out, I will I will play around with it on a yellow pad. Yeah, um, I know. And just. Okay, yeah. uh, and just you know, and you know, scribble and draw little pictures and everything, and and usually it's when I'm trying to just figure something out. Right,
1: I have yellow pads all over the place right. i even yeah. when I'm in a sh- movie, I'm writing a note. My husband's like looking at me because I can't even read what he wrote afterwards because it's dark in the show. But I sometimes you get a thought. It has nothing to do with the movie, but you get right. a, a, an idea that if you don't write it down, it's gone forever. It doesn't come. Oh yeah, back. I have a whole, I have a whole
3: pile of receipts. And paper napkins and bits of um, mm-hmm. and magazines that I've written yep. things on, and yeah. my husband refers to them as dissertation notes because I used to do this when I was when I was working on my dissertation. <laughs> but now I just he, he doesn't dare throw away any little scrap of paper with cryptic writing on it because it might mean something to me.
1: <laughs> I know. It's amazing. So weird. I know it is. You yeah. know it is. That's why it's always good to talk to other authors because nobody actually understands why we do things except another author. You know because we yeah. do these yeah. things. You know, I mean, just Elizabeth. Do you ever write longhand? I never asked you that. Do you ever do longhand?
2: I used to, but I insert so many things throughout the the story that I just started keeping everything on the computer. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just easier that way. But but I have uh, I have a slush pile. Of, uh, I mean, that's just stuff that I remove from a novel or a short story, and I put it on its own separate document just so that I have it in case I need to use it later. But, um, yep. No, I, I don't do longhand unless I'm dreaming something and it sounds really good, then I'll write it down so that I don't forget mm-hmm. it. And then later yeah. I'll look at it and I'll say, what on earth was I thinking?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. What was I thinking? Even when you have a mm-hmm. dream, I woke up a, a few weeks ago and I told my husband this crazy dream. It just came He's looking at me like I'm crazy. But some dreams just stay in your head and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. You know? Who knows? You know, I mean, and they do sound crazy sometimes, dreams. But you know, sometimes it's a message or whatever from I don't know from who. Yeah. But uh, okay, Dana, do you want? I have it actually on um uh, on the homepage of our uh, blog talk. But where can they reach you if they I, they need you? It's on. It's already out here. But what maybe they, those that are listening. Yeah, um, you
3: can find out more about me at my website, which is uh, danacameron.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook or on Twitter, and I'm usually in, in on an airplane or about to get on an airplane to go someplace else. So keep an eye out for me at whatever convention you're going to next.
1: Well, that's a good thing. But apparently you like flying. See, this is my problem: is the flying. I have to get I have ah. to get myself together. I know, I know. I just have to, you know, because otherwise you don't go that many places. I mean, it, yeah, you travel yeah, so it's tough, it's but... good. Yeah. Yeah. I have to like it to start like I don't know if that's happening. I keep saying that every time. All right, Elizabeth, where do they find you? Um, well I'm Elizabeth
2: Black on Twitter and Facebook and I'm Elizabeth on my, my website. And um uh, in early uh, in early twenty nineteen I'm gonna release Happily Ever After a collection of erotic fairy tales. So, all i got to do now is get the book formatted and uploaded. And so if will be my third
1: time doing some self publishing. Mm-hmm. This is great. And Dana, I hope you'll come back again. It was so interesting talking to you, you know. And I'll post some of your things out there because uh, it's so exciting getting a movie made. So, that would be. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank yeah. you both for having me, Marcia. I'm okay, looking. and, I thank, you and oh, well, thank you again. Oh, thank you. Can, thank you for anybody coming. Anybody could reach me at MarciaCasperCook.com or MichiganAvenueMedia.com, and uh, I'm always available <laughs> for a conversation or two. Okay, <laughs> everybody have a great night, and uh, take care, everybody. And thank you. Thank you thank again. You. Okay. Bye. Thank, thank you. bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye. bye-bye.